in reading of the scriptures, 1 Peter 5, 1-2. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, and not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. I want to echo those uh, words of uh, welcome that you've already heard. We are so glad that you are here with us today. If you have one of those cards that you found inside that uh, guest packet, pass it to the inside aisle and they'll be picked up at this time. We come today to an end. The end of the sermon series based on 1 Peter. And I'll be frank with you, this series has been difficult. It's been difficult not because the material is hard to understand. It's not like when we did the series through Revelation. And that material, that Revelation book, is a book hard to understand. This series has been difficult because of the emotions. It all ties in with what you see on the right-hand side of this slide. Your five. Today is the last day that you'll see this particular image. You'll see it tonight, and then it will be put up. But I hope every time you look at your hand, I hope you think about your five. The five people that you love. The five people that are dear to you. The five people that mean so much to you that are not faithful Christians. Because if they don't change their spiritual condition before they die, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Because this series has been so important, I have shared with you things that I have never shared in 40-something years of ministry. I shared it for one purpose. I hope it would cause you to remember the lesson. I hope by sharing it, it caused you to focus on how important this is. Because most likely, your five will not become a Christian unless you do something to help them to see Jesus. So we come to this last lesson from 1 Peter. And the last lesson is how to lead your five to Jesus. And you'll notice you've got five uh, paper doll cutouts right here. Every time you look at this, I want you to think of your five. It might be an uncle. It might be a best friend. Maybe it's a co-worker. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. But every figure, I want you to think of that person that that paper doll cutout represents as we talk about this lesson today. Back in 1776, a total of 56 men signed our Declaration of Independence. 
they probably, on that day they signed it, they probably didn't realize what it meant. You see, they would face losing it all. If they won the war against the British, there would be years of hardships for a struggling nation. If they lost the world, the war, they would face a hangman's noose for being disloyal to the British throne. Still, they made a pledge. Here is the exact words. We herewith pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. In so doing, they signed that Declaration of Independence. What happened to them? Many of the 56 died in poverty and failing health due to the war. For example, John Hancock. We all remember John Hancock because of that big signature of his, okay? What happened to John Hancock? He was one of the wealthiest men in all of New England. He stood outside Boston one terrible night of the war and said, Burn, Boston, though it makes John Hancock a beggar. And it basically did. If the public good requires it, burn Boston. Of the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence, few were long to survive. Five were captured by the British and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes sacked and looted and occupied by the enemy or even burned down. Poverty. Poverty became the common denominator among these 56 men. So why? Why do they risk it all? Why would they do that? The goal of liberty, that's the reason. The goal of liberty was worth it. They gladly faced the fire of leadership. Friends, for us to lead our five to Jesus, we're going to have to face the fire of leadership. And it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pleasant in all cases. In fact, it's going to be just downright tough. For your five, the goal of eternal liberty, the goal of converting them to Jesus is worth all the effort. It's worth, yes, the possible rejection. They may reject you and turn their back on you. And it's worth all the time that you will spend. If you could just get even one of your five to obey so, this is the last lesson. As I said, it's been difficult. And we ask for one more time, how do you lead your five to the Lord? How do you face the fire of leadership? Go back to that passage that Nathan shared with us already. 1 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 1. The elders who are among you. Now, he's going to pinpoint who he's talking to. Before, he's been talking to Christians in general. Now he's talking to the elders. Men who are leading the congregation. 
I exhort you, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. What's happening right here? Peter is using three words to describe leaders who can lead under fire. Now, I understand that he's talking to actual elders who have fulfilled the requirements, have the qualities to be called upon to serve as an elder. But we're going to apply these values to all of us in leading your five to the Lord. He calls them what? Elders. He calls them shepherds. He calls them overseers. These words are terms which describe what both the maturity and their responsibilities. Let's look at that first term, elder. We are talking about what? Spiritually mature men. Likewise, your five need you to be spiritually mature. You need to be growing in the Lord. They need to see spiritual maturity in your life. They need to be convinced of the importance of obeying just by looking at your life that you live. If you want to lead people under the fire of this world, then first and most importantly, take the time. Circle that word, time. Take the time to develop a strong relationship with Jesus. You see, it requires time. Time to pray daily. Did you hear the word daily? Time to study daily. Did you hear daily? Time to praise the Lord daily. Did you hear the word daily? Time to give to Him your all daily. Take the time to develop a strong relationship with Jesus. Make sure that they know how important Jesus is to you. I have a friend who's an over-the-top Alabama fan. I'm talking about the Crimson Tide. You know, most people down their hallway in their homes, they'll have pictures of, uh, you know, of their children. He's got pictures of Paul Bear Bryant, okay, up and down the hallway. It's pretty obvious that he is an Alabama fan. You don't have to be around him more than maybe one or two minutes until you know he is an Alabama fan. Do people know that we are a fan of our Lord? Do people know how much we love the Lord? That's spiritual maturity in a nutshell. In the same way that elders who serve a local congregation have to be spiritually mature, if we hope to lead our five to the Lord, we've got to be spiritually mature. Dr. C. Everett Koop 
former Surgeon General of the United States, once in his practice delivered a severely, a severely handicapped child and helped keep that child alive after the birth. Later on, he asked the parents, what's the worst thing you have experienced? They said, the 37 surgeries that little Paul has had to endure. By the way, he's now had 52 surgeries. At this time, he'd had 37. They said, that's the worst thing, to go through that, to experience that. So he asked, well, what's the best? How those 37 surgeries have brought our family together. Their oldest son has become an attorney specializing in law to protect the rights of handicapped people. Their daughter has become a nurse specializing in what? Caring for handicapped children. You see, the hardships help you mature. The hard times help you grow. But only if you lean on Jesus during those times. Are you leaning on your own abilities, on your own strength, or do you lean on Jesus? Your five need to see this in you. Your five take note of how you handle problems, hardships, difficulties. Do you lean on the Lord during those times? Your five need to see you leaning on Jesus through prayer. Through prayer. Very early in my ministry, I was with a family, and we were all in the waiting room. A little boy was in surgery. We got the call that things were not going very well in the surgery. Got a call from one of the nurses. Immediately, that dad turned to me and said, we need to pray. Will you lead that prayer? Prayer. Do we lean on prayer? Do we depend on prayer? Is prayer important to us? You see, this world, we are always hurrying. Well, hurry is the death of prayer. And hurry only impedes your spiritual growth. Take the time to lean on Jesus. If you want to lead people under fire, develop a strong relationship with Jesus over time, it doesn't come naturally, it takes time. Then number two, shepherd. Shepherd the people you lead. You know, in my 40-something years, I have served under many, many excellent elders. The common denominator among them was this. These men were already shepherding people before officially becoming an elder of the church. They already had people that looked to them for guidance, for help, for advice, for shepherding. We've got to care for these people. We've got to provide for people and protect them. We've got to look after their needs, just like a good shepherd does for his sheep. Shepherd is that second word that Peter uses to describe 
effective leadership here in 1 Peter. Once again, notice verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. Did you notice? Not behind you. Not ahead of you. Shepherd the flock of God which is what? Among you. We've got to be involved in people's lives. We've got to be among these five. We've got to be among these five, doing what we can. That's the way shepherds took care of their sheep in Bible days. Now, sure, he would lead his sheep from the front from time to time as they would go from pasture to pasture. But more often, the shepherd stayed among his sheep. He cared for them. Do your five know how much you care? Your five really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Do they know how much you care? You know, Peter is writing to Christians living under the rule of Nero. Nero was a self-absorbed lunatic. I'll just call it like that. He was only interested in what was best for him. He was only interested in what would benefit him. He was only interested in what would advance his agenda. But contrast that with the dedicated Christian. As you might remember, we talked in the series on Revelation about the number of plagues and sicknesses that swept over the Roman Empire. It was an abnormally large number of plagues and, and sicknesses. Who do you think was taking care of the people? Any guesses? Christians. Christians stepped up to take care of those in need. At one time, two different men were trying to travel to the extremes of our globe. Stephenson was going to the North Pole. A guy named Shackleton was going to the South Pole. Stephenson failed failed mightily. Why? Because he was only interested, he was only interested in promoting his name. He wanted to be the guy that made it all the way to the North Pole. He didn't care about his men. He had 11 men to die. He didn't care. They were only there for one purpose, to further his cause. His cause was to get to the North Pole. In contrast, Shackleton who was successful, he made it to the South Pole, made it back, brought back every man in the group. He was out there with the men. He was making the sacrifices. He was doing the work. They could see through his example of how much he cared for the group. You see, folks, Shackleton made the necessary sacrifices and put his people first. Your five need to see you putting them first. Do your five know how much you care for them? That's effective leadership under fire. You put people first. If you want to lead people under fire first, develop a strong relationship with Christ over time. Second, shepherd the people you lead. And third, exercise oversight. Willingly. 
and eagerly lead inviting people to follow your example. Take the initiative to give appropriate direction to those entrusted to your care. Overseer is the third word that Peter uses here to describe effective leadership. You know, most good people care for others. That's just a common thread. But good leaders, people who can lead folks to Jesus, communicate a vision that others want to follow. How about you? If you want to lead well under fire, then lead willingly, not out of compulsion. Step up voluntarily to give people the direction that they need. Let's finish verse 2. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. June 2011, Levi Strauss, for their line of docker pants, had an ad campaign that just blows my mind. This ad campaign would never be used today. It's not politically correct in the minds of whoever. It's not uh, according to the woke world that we live in today. But I want to share with you the exact words of this campaign. And this is going to shock you. Here are the words from 2011, June. Once upon a time, men wore the pants and wore them well. Women rarely had to open doors and little old ladies never had to cross the street alone. Men took charge because that's what they did. But somewhere along the way, the world decided it no longer needed real men. Latte by foamy non-fat latte, men were stripped of their khakis and left stranded on the road between boyhood and gender neutrality. Just 11 years ago. Today, there are questions our genderless society has no answers for. The world sits idly by as cities crumble, children misbehave, and those little old ladies remain on one side of the street. For the first time since bad guys, we need heroes today. We need grown-ups. We need men to put down the plastic fork, step away from the salad bar, and untie the world from the tracks of being just complacent. It's time to get your hands dirty. It's time to answer the call of manhood. It's time to wear the pants. The actual words from that ad campaign. Folks, now more than ever, the church and our world needs these kinds of leaders. Leaders who are not afraid to get their hands dirty. Leaders who are no longer content to remain on the sidelines. Leaders who will take the initiative and take responsibility. Your five needs you to lead. Lead eagerly, not out of greed. Lead enthusiastically, not for what you can get out of it, but for what, for what you can Finally, lead by example. 
not out of a need to control others. You want to show people the way by the life that you live, the way you live your life. Verse 3, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. But Jesus called them to Himself and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Whoever desires to be great among you shall be your servant. your servant. Great leaders don't drive people from behind. They lead people out front by the example of service they set. Please remember, one example is worth a thousand arguments. Most likely you're not going to win your five to the Lord through arguments. In fact, more likely is going to cause them to walk away from the Lord. You lead them through your example. If you want to lead people effectively under fire, first develop a strong relationship yourself with Christ over time. Number two, shepherd the people that you lead. And three, exercise oversight as a willing, eager example for others to follow then God will reward you in a way that truly counts. Verse number 4 of 1 Peter 5. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's Jesus, you will receive, what? The crown of glory that does not fade away. This world of ours could only give us accolades that soon fade and are quickly forgotten. Jesus gives us recognition and a crown that will last forever. That's the reward that I'm looking for. I hope you are too. You know how I end every sermon. Not going to change. I'm going to first remind you of the easy steps of becoming a Christian. To believe, to repent, to confess, to be baptized. I'm talking to people that are mostly already Christians. As a Christian, you need to seek forgiveness. The church stands ready to pray with you and for you right now. We'll have two elders up here to receive you. If you have any need to respond, we please do so as we stand and sing for your encouragement. I want